and we're thinking about the the, the subject of change over these uh, next few weeks. So as we read this, uh, just be thinking about how it is that this might be speaking into that subject of change, and then Steve is going to open that up to us in a short while. So Philippians chapter 1, and we're just going to read the six verses from, from verse 3. In fact, from verse 3 to verse 6 in Philippians chapter 1, three, three, three sentences, three short sentences. It's 2018 and the Lord speaks to us still. What a privilege now to hear the words of the living God. Are you ready to hear the words of the living God to you at the beginning of this year? Philippians chapter 1 verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now that's so short that I think it's worth a second reading, don't you? So let's read it through again. Let's hear God's word to us again. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God for his living word to us this morning. See, would you? Great. Grab a hold of your Bibles. Turn up Philippians chapter 1. So, very quick question. Okay, and I don't want you to put your hands up. This is one sometimes, you know, I chuck them out there, don't I? And I'm looking for a response. I'm not. I do want you to think about it inside. Uh, Here it is. Very simple, very straightforward. If you could change one thing about yourself... What would it be? Now, slow down. Slow down. I'm not interested in the vain things. I want my eyebrows to be slightly broader. I want my hips to be slightly thinner. I want my muscles to be slightly bigger. And I just want everyone to love me. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the size of your bank balance or the size of your dress. I am talking about something about you. Something about you, the person. If there's one thing... That you could change, there's probably many, but what one seems quite pressing right now? What one's important right now? Let's have a little think for a second. And with that in mind, let's pray. With that in mind, let's pray. Lord, we, we don't want to waste our time here. We pray that we would hear and see truth from heaven. Would you expose and help us to see what we're like, Lord? Would you, more importantly, help us to see what you're like and what you're doing? And how you come near to us. Would you reshape our world and would you reshape us? If there's things that you want to do, if there's things in our life you want to put your finger on and take us on a journey of growth and change, 
new beginnings, painful though it may be, would you help us to find in the power of your spirit courage, power, hope, newness? Lord, would you come near, we pray? Would you help us? I need help, Lord. Would you help all of us? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've loved it. Uh, I've loved the back and forth, having been away with two very different groups of people this week. Uh, A bunch of smelly, complaining old men and a bunch of uh, wayward, wild and wonderfully, surprisingly well-behaved youngsters. And the thing that's interesting is how they don't want to shut up about it. They want to keep talking about it. Whether it's on WhatsApp or some sort of social media or whether it's the first thing, it's a connection point, isn't it? We want to keep talking about what we did and who we were with. We just want to do that, don't we? Have you had experiences like that? There's something about us that at the core of who we are, we have two very deep desires. The first one is for what I'll call connection. Connection. Love is part of it, but it's more than that, isn't it? It's connection. It's that sense of camaraderie about belonging to something. The idea of brotherhood. So it's not romantic, although sometimes romance can help build that, but it's that sense of belonging, shared experience. Here are people that I have gone through something with. Here are these people who know me, and yet I'm still connected to them, and they're happy with that, and it's great. It's this big sense of connection. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was prompted by what some psychologists said. They said this, they said, "Um, we haven't got a word... For the opposite of loneliness. Can you think of a word for the opposite of loneliness? If you could come up with a word, sorry? Companionship. Companionship, part of it. Togetherness, yeah, they're just, they're there, but it's not quite the set, the opposite of total isolation and loneliness. But if there was a word for it, I'd want that to be right in the middle of my life. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? In fact, if you don't have whatever that word is, if you have in some sense you experience loneliness and exclusion, psychologists tell us it will affect two things. It will affect your IQ and it will affect your immune system. Did you realise that? So be an isolated person, be a lonely person, and it affects your medical health and your ability to do crossword puzzles. (laughs) Okay, it's what it does. Because we're so wired for connection into something we want to feel connected it's what has motivated so often massive actions of uh, uh, heroism you know people for the sake of connection and the good of the community have gone into battle have sacrificed have done great things also it explains this desire for connection explains so many times when you do the most stupid things at school because you're desperate for a sense of connection You know, we fear being disconnected. So, you know, we talk about, oh, they're deeply influenced by the wrong crowd. In other words, they're desperate for connection and they're prepared to do almost anything to do it, to get it. Some people will enter into such, such monumentally destructive relationships just because they are desperate for connection. We have this deep desire in us. We want to be connected. But I said there were two. Do you remember what the other one was? Maybe that says you're sitting there connection. That's not really bothering me. The other one's this. It's a cause. 
I want to belong to something that matters. In fact, uh, people are, 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 are interviewing this strange group called millennials. It sounds really weird. I understand that the official de- uh, definition of a millennial is somebody who was born after the late 80s. Okay? After the late 80s. But predominantly, their sort of more maturing and growing up years have been post-2000. And it's interesting that millennials... If you ask them, what do you want in life, you think you'd expect them to say the new version of the new phone, but they don't say that. What they say is, I want to make a difference. Isn't that interesting? I mean, usually it is in designing the new phone, admittedly, or sort of having an influence on some sort of social media. But they want to make a difference. We all want to make a difference. We want to know that our life has counted for something and we haven't just wasted it away and just spent it on stupid things. I want to know what my mission is. I want to feel like I'm part of something that is worth being part of. I want to find it and when I find it, I want to do it. Apparently, again, psychologists found that people who live with a sense of purpose actually live longer. You know, sometimes you, people have just decided it's time to die. They've got nothing to live for. Interesting, that, isn't it? So here are these two massive desires. And they I don't know which one of those two feature more in you. Um, maybe it's the sense of belonging. And I, I think that that one is definitely there in men. But there's so often that it's, it's definitely shown in women. But the sense of purpose is it's definitely there in women. But sometimes it's shown almost more in a more pronounced way in men. But the two definitely go hand in hand. And I picked just three simple examples from men, because I find it easier to connect to those, that, that, that explain everything. Okay, so here's my first one. Gangs. Why on earth would a teenager want to get involved in a criminal gang? Isn't it because they want a community that they can be a part of and a cause to follow? You see, the gang gives you an identity. It gives you people who you stick with. There are rules and understandings. There's things that you have to have gone through. There's common shared experiences. And the cause is us being together and getting through whatever's tough and probably making a bit of money. Okay, here you go, ladies. You've wanted to know the answer to this one for ages. This explains football. Okay. Why on earth... Do sensible, intelligent, grown men want to spend hundreds of pounds and countless hours going the match? Knowing pretty much that only one, maybe two, if you're lucky, three goals will be scored. And then there'll be a whole stack of upset. And then the next season will come, or the end of the season will come, and they'll say, I'm never going back. And guess what they do on the 15th of August? Sign up for Sky Sports, renew their season ticket, and they're there. What's that all about? I hate football, half of you say. It's pointless. It's stupid. It's because you haven't understood that following football is about connection. And it's about a cause. Even if it's Everton. I mean, what a lost cause. 2-1, no offence. Okay. That's what it's about, isn't it? And the fellas are sitting there going, yeah. And the ladies are sitting there going, Doesn't it explain as well? What about this thing called war? Doesn't it explain as well how men who have been to war and they're not bloodthirsty and they hate the killing. But the sense of camaraderie and cause means that even if they've got debilitating injuries, half their leg blown off, history records that in countless wars men would get out of their bed and they would go back to their fellow soldiers in the trenches just so they could fight with them. So deep is our desire for connection 
and a cause. So deep is our desire for those two things together that you have to slow down sometimes and ask the question, why the monkeys, is it even there? And if it is, is, is it there by accident? Because if it's not there by accident and it's there for a purpose, it means that we could, if we're not careful, use it in the wrong ways. And in fact, countless people do, don't they? In fact, you do. That desire for connection. It's not like just, well, pick a connection. Pick a, uh, pick a community to belong to. I mean, they're all just as good, aren't they? We clearly know that's not the case. There are some relationships and some connections and some peoples and some groups that we can be a part of. And it's just bad. So it's not just a case of just pick any old one you want or pick any cause because all causes aren't equal. You know, growing your marijuana business is not as good as trying to cure cancer. But we can cast our time and our energy and our affection and our emotion onto almost any connection and almost any cause. The question is, is if this is so deeply ingrained and wired into us, we need to actually slow down from time to time and say, what connection am I investing in and what cause am I giving myself to? So please, if you've missed this, make it, let me make it aboundingly, abundantly clear. I want a community and a cause. I want a group and a goal. I want a people and a purpose. And so do you, don't you? Have you noticed that we as a church are the best at the best when we're putting those two things front and centre? That's one of the reasons I love prayer week. I know who my people are in prayer week. I just know it. Because they're the ones who get up bleary-eyed in the morning and say, do you know what, this is, oh, it doesn't feel important right now, but it is. This is my purpose. So I know who my people are in that moment. You know, on a fellas weekend or a kids weekend away, when, we've, when we're chucking money in for the new initiative, for doing a new building, or because we want to get another full-time member of staff, or I know who my people are and my purpose is when we, we're trying to get men's group together and the people who regularly come along, even though it's just difficult to keep on going and there's other distractions. I know who my people, I know who my peop- uh, purpose are. I know who my guys I know what my goals are. And it's great to get a sense of that. And that's what this whole six weeks is about. Because there is an answer to what is the best group and the best goal. I'm not being arrogant. I'm going to take it from the Bible. There is an answer to what is the connection and what is the cause. There is an answer. And can I tell you, that's just why the Apostle Paul is so excited right now. Look down at verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. He's talking to a bunch of Christians. And they're not fair weather Christians. They find it a lot harder to live for Jesus than you and I did. And as he sits back, he goes, that's where it is. I thank my God every time I remember you. And it's not because they've nailed it. And it's not because they all turn up on time. And it's not because they're all perfect. Look at this. I remember my God every time. Uh, sorry, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. It's just when they come to mind, he just stops and he goes, Lord, I've just got to give thanks. I've just got to slow down and give thanks. Now, can I tell you, I wish I had his level of sanctification. Because, confession time, I don't always think that immediately first thought when I think of each and every one of you. There, if Anthony said something, I've said something too. (laughs) Okay. 
a lot of, I think I'm growing and changing in this. I think I'm growing and changing in this. And that's one of the things that's been great, just looking at this simple verse here. It's like, oh yeah, I need to remember my, my connection and my course, my people and my purpose. And Because Paul just, he just seems to see with these lenses more clearly than you and I, doesn't he? I slow down, he's excited. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. Why? Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel. Did you miss that there? There's his connection, there's his cause. Do you see that? There's his connection, there's his cause. There's his people, there's his perfect, uh, purpose. There is, there's his group and there's their goal. He's got a bunch of people who he is deeply connected with, joined together by a shared experience, and they're part of a cause. And I know when we talk about the gospel, you guys have sat in church long enough to know that the gospel is a message, but, and it's a wonderful message about what Jesus has done for a lost world and how he loves sinners like you and me. And how he has provided a way for us to be reconciled to the living God. And that he is presencing himself with us now as we walk through life in the power of his spirit. So that we may stick together, have power, know grace, lean on him. But it's not just a message, it's a cause. It's something that we live for. It's something that reshapes everything. You know this. You could have preached this sermon for me. You've heard me say it enough times. You know what your Bible says. But here Paul, he's, he's finding joy and he's got an excitement because he knows that he's not part of this cause and he's in partnership with these other people. And he knows the destination as to where they're headed because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. They're sticking with it and that's hard, isn't it? I've told you before, I've been dead honest, there's plenty of Sunday mornings when I just can't be bothered. And there's plenty of Sunday mornings when you just can't be bothered. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And maybe you've, maybe you're a little bit isolated, and so you give way to that, and you come up with your excuses, and you know, and maybe you turn up, but you're only half there. You know that feeling, don't you? I'm there. That's enough. And then you you notice a look around the room. You see you're not the only one, and you can usually tell it by the look of lack of impressedness on everybody's face. And then probably one in four. <laughs> One in four Sunday mornings, you come up and you're like, you know, I've prayed before I came and I know my intention is to speak to people and find some lost solo who can just bless and encourage. Now listen, let's just be honest about that. Let's just try and move the numbers from one a month to two a month. <laughs> do you reckon we can aim to do that in 2018? But they're hanging on in there, aren't they? From the first day until now, they're still there. They're having a go of being committed to these people and being part of this cause. Being confident of this, and this is the great bit here, isn't it? This is the great bit. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, the moment you got saved, God staked his reputation on completing a work in you. Now just let that one sink in. You will be set free from you. Hallelujah. Let's put it another way. 
A day is coming when you won't have me visiting all my junk down upon you. And you're like, where's the hallelujahs, people? Where's the hallelujahs? All my selfishness, all my vain ambitions, all my touchiness, all my complaining, all my idolatries, all my being very big in my lens and God being very small, you won't have to put up with because I will have been changed. I will be perfected. And it's interesting, it does, there's no time put here. All he says to them is, from the day that you've been saved up to this day and on to the day when Jesus comes back, guess what God's purpose is? He's trying to set you free from you. That's good news, people. I asked you at the start of this, I said, if there was one thing, there's one thing that you'd want to change about you. I wonder whether you're picking the thing that the Lord's currently wanting to work on in you at the moment. Could be that you just see the little thing and everybody else plus the Lord sees this big thing. But you know what? He's happy for you to work on the little thing. Because he'll get round to the big one. He will. He's terribly scared of what people think about you. Oh, I don't want to even go there. I'll just work on not being quite as agitated with my husband, wife, brother, sister. Fair enough. Are you terribly given to wayward desires? Are you just utterly selfish? And you just don't think other people are your problem? It's a good job Jesus didn't think like that. Otherwise, you'd be lost and dead in your sins. What is it? I just love this because there is a God up above who says, and he stakes his reputation on it, and he says, I'm going to complete that work. It, it's not even up for debate. It's going to happen slowly, and then on that great day it'll be finished off dramatically, but that is what I'm doing. And Paul celebrates that they are on board with this. They're a community of change centred on Jesus and hope in him. Now, if you try to use church for anything other than that, can I tell you, church is going to be a miserable place for you. See, some of us will merely try to use church for a bit of connection, but don't want anything to do with that, that cause of change. So we'll roll up every now and again, and maybe we'll come to some of the social things, or it'll just keep us ticking over, but it, sooner or later you get frustrated because things aren't quite how you want, because there's a whole change agenda going on. I don't want any part of that. I don't come to church for that. I like the connection, I like the people, I like the friendships, I like the parties, I like the, you know, I like the fact that it makes me feel that I'm part of some nice people who are trying to do good in the community. You will get incredibly frustrated. But what about the other way around? What if you just use your church for, for cause? And can I tell you, there have been seasons in our life as a church family when we've done that. We've had a real strong sense of cause. I think back when we early replanted the church back in the early 2000s and we were very driven and very focused. Shall I tell you what happened? Burnout. People felt disconnected and felt like they're only valued for what they bring to the mission. Paul says, I'm holding these two together. Don't even think of trying to separate them. We are deeply connected but very focused on a cause. We are partners in the gospel. Which, 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 which one do you run away from? Just ask yourself now. Which one? Because you've got to hold them together. That's what we've got to do as a church. Now, I don't expect you to do that every week when you come in. Don't expect that. 
I don't mind if the fact if you just literally crawl in over the tiles through the welcoming bit then you get in and but I expect because the Bible expects because the spirit of God works and moves amongst these people I expect that when you hear that the right response the sign that the Lord is with you is that you go yeah that's what I want to grow into that's what I want to get to that's what I want my church family to be and I want them to make it just slightly awkward for me if I try to settle for less that's what we do we give permission to one another Paul here is speaking to them and he's saying you're going for it and in fact he's going to say later on more and more please more and more keep at it when the sufferings come keep at it when the distractions come keep at it keep keeping this focus keep here why because that is God's big 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 challenge and change project for everybody so from the day you get saved, God is going to complete his work. He's going to perfect you. Who's the only person who's ever lived who's been perfect? It ain't me. Who is it? The Lord Jesus. He's going to make you into a little image of him. So let's just think about him. When hard things come, Maybe it's a demonic attack. Maybe it's criticism of a crowd. Maybe it's the, his friends walking out on him. He's stable. Jesus is going to make you like that. When difficult relational moments come, when Pharisees come and accuse him, he responds with grace. He's going to do that in you. What about when needy people come? High maintenance people. Does he say they're not my problem and shoo them away? He welcomes them with grace. And they get renewed. Do you want to be like Jesus? When he's attacked and the nails are driven through his hands, he goes, right, I'm going to get you. Is that it? What's he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When all the possessions are disappearing and, you know, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He had nothing. He didn't live for it. He, he walked in contentment and walked with his Father. That is what the Lord Jesus is going to do in you. He's going to bring you and make you like himself. That's just what he does. So God is going to set you and me free from us. Do you feel trapped today by something? Can I tell you that's where to start? Okay. I've just got to, as I wrap this up, I just need to ask you to be guarded against something. This is supernatural. If you think you can do this on your own, you don't realize the scale of the challenge. Some of you have been, as you've been listening to this, you've been sitting there and listening and thinking, this would be a really good thing, but I just, it's just, uh, no, what's the point? I'm only going to fail. I can't even go there again. And the problem with that thinking is you, that you part right. You, sometimes you, we, we're tempted to think that the Lord, when he opens uh, his word to us and tells us who he is and what he calls us to, that we, that we think that we're supposed to be able to do it in our own strength. The whole point is he had to come because we can't do it in our own strength. He has to come near to us because we, we can't get over that mountain and get over that hill. It is just a looming barrier that has trapped us. And so it's like, stay okay, get through your, get, get through your challenge and then I can go home and forget about it. What you need to do is, you need to say, if ever I ask you to do anything from this pulpit that you can only do 
by the grace of Jesus Christ. If I ever ask you to do anything other than that, you can tell me to stop asking. You get that? So if you're sitting next to somebody, they're probably terrified at the prospect of having to go into battle with whatever it is they're choosing. Now, I'm going for two things. I don't mind telling you what they are. Okay? The two things that I want to really grow in over the next few weeks is, number one, my self-control in a number of areas of my life. And number two is my desire to instinctively think more of people and be less critical. Just like you, I have a critical spirit. And it's a battle for me as it is for you. I just want to be a joyful encourager. So there's two things. And you can pray for me in that. But if you think I can just fix that, I would have done it by now, people. You get it? I need grace. We're not going to be that church that says, if you just try hard enough, pull your bootstraps up, sort yourself out and get a grip, you'll be more balanced. It doesn't work like that, because if it was that easy, we would have done it, wouldn't we? You'd be a less high-maintenance spouse. You'd be a nicer parent or better well-behaved kids. But you're not, because it's a battle and you're trapped. But listen to verse 6 again. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on. I have to keep on working, he is. Will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He gives us his word. So let me ask you, don't cast your desire for connection on something else. I know that when you came in here, your desire was primarily, and your cause was primarily, cope. I just want to cope. I want to cope with the new... I want to clear the mess in the house. I want to get the kids back to school. I want to, I want to book a holiday so at least I've got something worth living for. I want, to di- I, I want to pay the bill and get rid of that... Per- I want to cope. The Lord says, focus on your connection to my people and the cause of the gospel. Partnership in the gospel. Here is my gang and this is our goal. This is who we're going to be. So that's why I'm saying to you, I don't care what your excuses are, get to a fellowship group or start one. It isn't church's responsibility to get you to fulfill this. We want to help. We we want to be flexible as possible. But I won't stand I won't stand before God on that last day having to have account for how you haven't done what was your part. All I can do is encourage you. Get to a fellowship group, make the change now. Find some spiritual friends, people who will, you can grow in spiritual friendship with, who you can meet together regularly. I'm just saying go for 6 weeks, but who knows, it might go beyond beyond that. And then open up these books and use them as a help and say how can I grow? Because I want real change, and it won't be flamboyant, and it won't be ma- it will be in the drudgery of daily life. I will face everything just that little bit differently. Lord, help me. Lord, faith today looks like saying, Lord, I believe that you want to work in me, and I believe that when I turn to you, you will do it. I will grow in patience. I will put off worry. I will have a gentler mouth. I will be more more worried about others than myself. I will be able to put off those addictions. I will, Lord, be able to grow in a love for the lost. 
I will be more like Jesus. Is that what your prayer is today? So we're going to sing this song now. Wonderful grace that gives me the time to change. As we sing it, be praying, Lord, give me that wonderful grace over this season that I may grow and change and we may be a Christ-centered community of change. Let's stand and sing together.